Our global economy is losing $8.8 trillion a year in productivity. Why? Disengaged workers. Today, I'm going to give you an update on Gallup's state of the global workplace and what it means for you. Helping you win in your work life so that you can win in your personal life. This is going to be a deep dive into where we stand in the workplace. Now, why am I going to give you this deep dive today? Because you spend more time at work than you do anywhere else. Those of you that are working, you're watching this show, listening to this show because of of work-related issues. And so this is going to frame some realities that I hope do uh, does a couple things for you today. I want you to walk away from this going, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Uh, this is a very real snapshot as to how the workplace is operating today, what's right and what's wrong, what's missing and what is confused. I'll walk through all of that while giving you some data. But for those of you who are in a management or leadership role, this is really important for you. For those of you that are not in a leadership or management role, this is going to be enlightening and I hope encouraging in that you can now realize, okay, this is the matrix, if you will, and I've got to decide, do I want to be in that matrix or not? So here we go. Let's get into this. Gallup's research in their 2023 uh, State of the Global Workplace finds that having a job you dislike, that you hate, is worse than being unemployed. Now, we're going to get into the actual percentages of who falls in the hate versus uh, just dealing with it versus I'm thriving. We'll get into that in a moment. But that's pretty stark. As they measure well-being at work, Gallup finds very clearly that having a job you hate is worse than being unemployed. Now, you think about the stress of being unemployed. The emotions, the thoughts that come with that. And that is better than being in a job you hate. This is real when we talk about mental health and we talk about emotional health and physical health. This is important. So scoffing at, well, I just got to go to my J-O-B and I just got to make it through the weekend. Let me tell you something. The data shows, the science shows that it's worse for you than being unemployed. So what's the breakdown as we look at the world's workers? 23% are what we would call engaged. They're thriving at work. 59% are not engaged. This this is the new phrase, quiet quitting, it's here to stay. Now even Gallup, the foremost leader in workplace research, calls it quiet quitting. And then 18% are actively disengaged. We're talking about the emotion of hate here. Extreme dislike, if you want to call it that. And now these are called loud quitters. They're just walking around with their butt in the air, as my grandfather used to say, just showing their rump, you know, just, "Eh, I'm just, I got a problem. Okay. Now let's define quiet quitting. Um, Well, let's, let's walk through the thriving, quiet quitting and loud quitting. Okay. Very quickly. And again, this is how, this is how Gallup defines it's important to define it. Okay. Uh, The thriving at work, their work is meaningful. 
and they feel connected to their team and organization. So there's an enjoyment of the work and an enjoyment of the relationships in the workplace. That would be the thriving that's only 23% of workers. Quiet quitting, these employees are simply filling a seat and watching the clock, putting in the minimum effort required so they don't get fired or demoted. And then, of course, the loud quitters, these employees are taking actions that directly harm the organization, undercut its goals, and oppose its leaders. In other words, these people don't like confrontation, so they're going to pout and hope they get fired. Or they're just so unhealthy and so miserable, watch this, that they just don't even care anymore. Yikes. Now, worker stress is at an all-time high. I'm jumping through pages here, folks. Kenny Boy did his homework today. Stress for the world's employees at an all-time high. Now, Gallup does not ask for specifics as to what's causing the stress. But, of course, the work, the amount of work, low engagement, meaning you just don't want to be there. That can cause stress because you don't want to be there, but I got to go there. That can cause a lot of stress. But external factors are an issue. Inflation, family health issues, anything outside of work can also be a source of stress. But this is what's interesting. When employees are engaged at work, they report significantly lower stress in their overall lives. Why? Well, let's just say you're spending seven to eight hours a day and you're engaged, you enjoy it, you find it meaningful, and you feel that it is a healthy environment that's going to reduce so much of your stress. Maybe you're less stressed out by the dog chewing up a pillow when you come home. But let me tell you something. You have a bad day at the office or a bad week or a bad month or a bad year and you go home and watch the littlest of things trigger you. You know this is true. Now, I want to just say something very quickly, and this this may not be popular with some people, but it, it has to be addressed. It has to be addressed. Some of you are stressed out by situations that you shouldn't be stressed out by. I think there's a lack of grit in our world today, and I'm just going to point this out briefly. How much of the stress that you're dealing with at work is brought on by you, not everybody else? I think that's a really, really helpful question. Now, it's one that's hard to ask. but I'm just going to put that out there. I just wonder how many of us are dealing with some insecurity, some fear, some doubt. Maybe we're dealing with some stuff in our home life, and it's affected us. We come into the office, and we take something that's happened to us one way when it really was never meant that way. And I'm just saying, I think it's important to, to examine, if you're dealing with a lot of stress at work, how much of it could be because of you? Are you the common denominator? It's worth asking. Now, let's, we're talking about stress. This is fascinating. Page 8 of the study, for those of you that want to download this, this is, is downloadable for just anybody. Engagement, good, proper engagement at work, or negative engagement, has almost four times as much influence on employee stress as work location. Here's what they found. The flexibility of remote work allows for greater autonomy and well-being, which today's workers highly prize. This is true. But again, it's not about the remote work. It's about the flexibility. 
But what people experience in their everyday work, their feelings of involvement or enthusiasm, matters more in reducing stress than where they are sitting. So the argument that remote work is going to have a greater impact on positive mental health is not true according to this study. While flexibility is great and it gives us autonomy and all of us want that, I talk about that all the time, bottom line is how you experience the work and the emotions around the actual work and what the engagement is like matters way more than whether you're in the office at a cube or in an office or at home on your couch. Coming up next, what's the solution to driving better engagement? We'll break it down. Helping you win in your work life so you can win in life. This is the Ken Coleman Show. If you're enjoying the show via YouTube, if you're watching a highlight or uh, a full episode, give us a thumbs up, subscribe, and share with somebody that you think it'll help. If you're listening via your favorite podcast app, we would love if you would consider giving us a follow and a five-star review and share as well. All right, so continuing on with our breakdown of the state of the global workplace, and again, The reason we're going over this is you need to understand the matrix in which you are in. And if you want to get yourself out of that matrix, this is important stuff. So before we get into what leaders need to be doing, and and some of you need to know this so you can help your leader. If you have a good enough relationship with them, you could give them this feedback. For those of you that are leading, you need to understand, what can I do about all this lack of engagement? A quick review. Okay, if we look at the numbers on engagement, We've got 59% that are quiet quitters. They're just doing the bare minimum. And 18% that are loud quitters. So, folks, we're nearing almost three-quarters of American workers are not in a positive engagement level. And over half of employees express some level of intent to leave their job. 51% of currently employed workers said they're watching for an opportunity seeking, uh, watching for a job that they can take. Now here's now here's why that's important leaders. 51% of the people in the office have got their eye wandering. That's a problem. But it's also an opportunity. And that's what I want to focus on. It's an opportunity. They didn't say they were leaving for sure. They were saying they're looking. And again, remember this, people leave leaders not companies. They can say I left company XYZ but they always leave the leader because they hold the leader responsible for why they're not happy. I'm just going to tell you. That's a fact. So, according to Gallup CEO John Clifton, a friend of mine, there are some key opportunities that they take away from the study that, that leaders can move on. And the first one is focus on your winnable employees. I love how they said this. What they're talking about are the 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 50, uh, let me get the numbers back here. Let me keep that close by the 59% of workers that are disengaged, they are the quiet quitters, these employees could be one. Because with a few changes, you can take them from disengaged to engaged. Remember, they're not, they don't hate their job. They're not there to be rebels. They're just simply doing the bare minimum because they don't see an opportunity for growth or they don't want an opportunity for growth. They don't want to be with you, but 
it's kind of the misery they know versus the misery they don't know, right? In other words, we'd rather be miserable than uncomfortable. Most people would rather deal with what they know than take on this brand new path, okay? Now, the survey leaders tells us why they would be quiet quitting. What would have to be true? What would have to change to go from I'm disengaged, I'm just doing the bare minimum, to I'm engaged, I find this work meaningful, and I care about this organization. Here's a few. So what would you change about your workplace to make it better? This is fascinating stuff. Do you see yourself in these answers? 41% said engagement or culture. And they're talking about, I'd want to see more engagement from everybody in the culture. I want the culture to be more engaging. What do they mean? Here's specific comments from that. Everyone to get recognized for their contributions. It's fascinating to me. These are men and women who are adults. And they're saying, I think everybody should be recognized for their contribution. This is elementary school stuff. No matter how old we get, folks, this answer, this data tells us we are still little boys and little girls who want to be noticed. We don't want to be seen. We want to be valued. Leaders, this is such a breakthrough for you if you would just get this. Yes, I know you're overworked, leaders. I know you're fried. I know you got a lot on your plate. But you can find time in your day to look at your direct reports and say, hey, Susan, great job on this report. I saw your talent of blank and blank and blank or whatever. Find a way to recognize people for their unique contribution. Here's another comment. I would like if the managers were more approachable and we could talk openly. Again, leaders, this doesn't take a leadership book or, or an MBA. Talk to people. Open your door. Tell them, hey, you're safe in here. Uh, I would want more autonomy in the work. Again, this comes down to trust leaders. Leaders, train people. Develop them to the point where you trust them. And if you trust them, You'll give them more freedom. That's what they're looking for. They just want to be free. Tell me what I need to do. Give me what I need to do to do it and turn me loose. It's fascinating. I wish I was respected more. Clearer goals, stronger guidance. People want to coach. That's what I take away from that. Clear goals, stronger guidance. Lead like a coach. Leaders, again, What's the heart of a coach? Coach wants someone to learn. Coach wants someone to perform at their best, lifting the team. People want some clear goals. This is the scoreboard. This is what we're trying to do to win. This is what a win looks like. And then they want to be coached. Fascinating data on Gen Z, by the way, not related to this Gallup study, but Gen Z, the young, I'm raising three Gen Z kids right now. Gen Z wants a mentor relationship in the workplace. Now, it actually comes from a negative reason. I'll just say this quickly and move on. But we parents have have coddled our kids to where the kids are so used to us hovering over them when they tie their shoe, when they put their shin guards on, when they drive, that now they crave that older person overlooking them and guiding them. So take advantage of it. Um. What would you change about your workplace to make it better? Pay and benefits. Increase my salary. Only 28% said 
said it was pay and benefits, and then 16% said well-being. So even, even America's workers, global workers are going, engagement, the culture needs to be better, and they're pointing directly at their leader. Leaders, pay attention. So we know what they want. So you've got to acknowledge that they have some human needs, leaders. That they have some human needs. The three human needs that are primary, that must be met in the workplace, are very simple. I want to know that I've got a meaningful role, that my work matters to me, and I see it mattering to other people. Number two, I need to be recognized for my unique contribution. Add a boy, add a girl, you're doing a good job. Hey, listen, I see you. You stepped in the other day, and only you could do that. This is just good old-fashioned, a pat on the back. And the third thing they want is a relationship with their leader. They want that coach role. Leaders, you want this too. It's not a separate set of human needs, primary needs that need to be met. You've got them too. Now, this is what drives engagement up. In other words, I want to be here. I like being here. Now watch what happens. Individual performance goes up. Okay? That leads to overall productivity, watch, and then profitability. We got leaders scratching their heads, trying to come up with the latest, greatest technique. Go to some leadership conference, listen to a talk, listen to a podcast. Let me just tell you something right now. Leaders, find your way of meeting those three human needs. You'll be shocked at what happens. You've got to acknowledge that you've got some responsibility here, that there is a tension that has long existed, and I'm speaking now of the American workforce. I, I would I would think it's true of the global workforce, but let's just be honest. If, if I make a joke right now, it doesn't matter how old you are, if I go, yeah, I'm working for the man, everybody gets that, right? And there's a tension there that, well, my boss, my leader, management, executives, well, they're up here and I'm down here and I'm just doing my best to get along. That's how we come into the workplace, folks. Now, this younger generation, let me tell you something about, we've seen this with millennials. They began this trend where they expected to work at a place about a year, and, and they expected to get promoted or they would move on. It's even faster for Gen Z. Gen Z is thinking entrepreneurial. They're thinking about starting their own thing because they've watched their parents and grandparents gripe about work their whole life. There's a great opportunity right here to begin to attract people by simply saying, I'm going to find something for you to do that you love, and I'm going to love you while you do it. Well, it's that time of year we just... Uh, put out a fresh crop of college grads into the wild. And it is a jungle out there. Class of 2023 faces a jittery job market, says the headline from the Wall Street Journal. The world seems to have flipped on its head. We'll come back to that quote. That's actually from uh, an interview that's featured a little bit later in the article. So uh, employers are now slowing their hiring process for graduating seniors this year. This is according to multiple college career offices at the Wall Street Journal interviewed. Now, this is a, a steep reversal from the past two years when companies were making offers before 
these seniors finish their final year. Uh, that's very normal, by the way. You know, companies are looking for fresh talent, and so they want to get these kids. You know, uh, prior to and so the start of their senior year is when you would see over the last couple of years in this big hiring frenzy, offers flying at kids, and of course they took them. Now, ninety-seven <clears> percent <throat> of college seniors surveyed by uh, recruiting software firm ICIMS in March said they have considered alternative options in the uncertain job market. They're weighing graduate school, more on that in a second, gig work, or taking a job outside their major. Now, if you are someone who's listening or watching, and and that's you, and because you don't have a job offer in your hand, and you may not see one coming, that you decide of those three options, getting a graduate degree, doing gig work, which would be freelance work, some type of, you know, driving, delivery. I mean, gig work is all over the place. It's freelance work. Or taking a job outside your major. Please don't go to graduate school just to delay you having to deal with not having a job. It seems like a lot. A lot I can tell you millions of Americans do this every year. They don't have something they like or they can't figure out what they like. So you know what they do? They kick the can down the road like Congress does on our national debt. Well, we'll deal with it two years from now. So what do we do? I've decided to go to grad school. Why? Because that feels better to tell people than, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, the problem is grad school comes with a massive sales price on it. And you got to get the loan. And then you go, well, I justify the loan because... I am getting a grad degree, and it's going to help me get a better job. Wait a second. You can't get a job now. So you think that a grad degree is going to get you a job? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, This is a really strange labor market. Okay? 3.7% unemployment. We've seen a lot of hiring freezes. We've seen a lot of layoffs. Now we're seeing companies slowing down in hiring recent college grads. So it's a strange, strange time. But this is in the white-collar world. What about the blue-collar world? How about my friends in the trades? Where you don't need a fancy diploma. Well, I'll tell you how it's going for them. This is Jim Fish, who is the chief executive of of Waste Management, Inc. This is a big-time company. And this is how he described the current situation in the job market. He said, we can't hire a truck driver to drive a trash truck for $90,000 in Houston, Texas. But I can hire an MBA from a small school for $60,000, and I can get them all day long. Ho, 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 ho! Can I translate what that means? That for decades and decades, we've told people that a college degree is the best way to success, and now we got too many freaking little whippersnappers rolling out with an MBA, and they're they're hot, they're just dying, hoping to make sixty thousand, and you got the desire, the need for a truck driver. Let me tell you something. If I was one of these MBA whippersnappers that came out of college right now and there wasn't a job available, you know what I'd do? I'd go down to Houston, Texas, Joe, and I'd drive a trash truck for $90,000. Because 
because I just got a $30,000 raise off of a non-opportunity, and then I can tell a story. You know what I can tell people? I got my degree. I got my MBA. There wasn't an opportunity, but you know what I did? I got busy. I started driving a trash truck. And maybe, just maybe, I worked my way up through waste management because I was willing to drive a trash truck. I'd drive a trash truck for $90,000 before I would go get another graduate degree. I would drive a trash truck for $90,000. Then I would take some job that has no ladder, no opportunity in an industry that I don't give a crap about for 60. Because to me, driving the trash truck is the same as taking a job in an industry that I don't care about in a major I didn't get. It's the same thing, except that I'm making $30,000 more. <laughs> to drive a trash truck and call people and network all day long in between the beep, 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 you know? And 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 I know it doesn't smell good, guys, but I, f- I figure you can mouth breathe. I have three kids. I changed all three of my kids' diapers. You know what I did? I breathed through my mouth when I changed their diapers. If I'm driving a trash truck, I can breathe through my mouth. It's fascinating. So why do I share that story? Because that's... That's the idea that was in the headline I said I would come back to. This guy, Mr. Fish, says the world seems to have flipped on its head. He can't find a driver for a trash truck making nearly 100 grand. But he can find an MBA grad that'll take 60 all day long, every day, twice on the Sunday. That's where it's flipped. Because the white-collar market is slowing down, but the trades are heating up. $90,000 to drive a trash truck for waste management in Houston, Texas? That's a good living. Joe, if I find out you applied for that job, I'm going to be really upset. I wouldn't do that. I know you wouldn't. All right, let's, let's go. I want to cover a few more things here. So what, what are these college grads saying? when it comes to a few specific areas in the workplace and what they're expecting, okay? So this is a job search sentiment, and uh, I want to give credit to the study here. I think I touched on it earlier. Uh, yeah, the, the recruiting software firm ICIMS. Okay, very good. So this is what they said about confidence and jobs and compensation. 76% of the class of 2023 believes that they can find a well-paying job. Now the question becomes, how do we define well-paying? I can tell you that a lot of these youngsters think that they can make 100 grand coming out of college. Why? Well, number one, they don't they don't understand anything because they don't know what the real world is like. Number two, they have a overly inflated perception of their degree and their school. And a lot of these young people come from families that are very well-to-do, certainly wealthy. And so their expectations are completely outsized. Second area, what do the college, what do, what do uh, the class of 2023 grads think about increasing consideration for exploring new opportunities? 40% are open to new industries or roles they had not previously considered as a result of the current economic situation. I'd like that number to be much higher. The world is changing rapidly. 
And if you can't find a, a job in your degree field, I would absolutely look for some comparable experience in a different industry that could be transferable later. And then finally, what factors make you more likely to apply for a job? This is this latest crop of college grads. 84% said job stability. They're looking for a job that they think is stable and safe with a company that is stable and safe. But when Microsoft and Salesforce and Amazon are laying people off by the thousands, folks, I don't think you can say that any company is safe and stable. Next was salary, 82%, and then 81% benefit. So there you go. That's the new crop. Hope that helped you. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.